St. Teresa of Avila certainly lived in interesting times. The Protestant Reformation or Revolt, depending on which word you want to use, was in full swing, and um, the church itself had uh, kind of lost control, maybe, it would be the way of understanding it, of the, some of the religious orders, the Carmelites being one of those. Uh, she entered the Carmelites at a relatively young age, and despite what we might think of the Carmelites now, the Carmelite order of the time initially was not at all what we would come to expect. In fact, it was said that some of the sisters in Carmel had suites of rooms and had servants. They ate fine food and wore fine clothing and were basically just not married. That's the only difference between them and maybe a woman of the world. Or maybe they prayed a little bit too. And St. Teresa of Avila initially just lived in that world, not necessarily being one of the rich ones with servants and, and eating the fine foods, but enjoying the finer things of life until God grasped her. She had had some experiences of that before she had, had entered Carmel. Uh, apparently she had a bout with malaria and uh, she was healed from that and she had prayed for the intercession of St. Joseph and this year of St. Joseph uh, might be important for us to remember that. St. Teresa started having visions of Christ in one particular one and there's, uh, I think it's Bernini, don't quote me on that, but a, a, a statue of her being in ecstasy and an angel coming at her heart with an angel, with an, with an angel, an angel with an arrow. After her death, they uh, removed her heart for a relic and there was a hole in the heart um, where about the size of an arrow, so you, you can put two and two together. But she had a number of visions and she kept them hidden for a long time because she didn't know what to do with them. And even her spiritual directors at the time said, it's not of God. And yet, each time she had a deeper and deeper conversion until the point of she realizing that Carmel had fallen from what it was supposed to be into what it, what it had become and sought to bring it renewal. And as already said at the introductory of the Mass, she and uh, John of, of the Cross kind of worked in tandem in helping to reform he with the uh, Carmelite men, she with the women. And that wasn't well received by some. And yet we have to look and see how her wisdom or rather the wisdom of God revealed through her, was revealed to be true. Because that is the source of really the power of the Carmelites now, this uh, being detached from the worldly things, of seeking, seeking God above all else, to the point that uh, they live in, in um, not prisons, but they, they, their focus is in their cells and in their chapels and in the work that they do, but they do not go out and about in, in, in society. And today, you know, with, uh, we have, I think it's two Carmelite orders in our, in our great state. Uh, the, you, you can go and visit them, but you don't see them. You're behind a screen, almost. 
they realizing their life was to be shut away, and yet, oh, in the long run, their work for the church is going to be revealed. And they are working for the church of, of praying. It's, it's important for us, it's important for me, and I'm sure it's important for you to know that there are people besides you praying for us, and, and they don't even know us, most likely. Although I know, I know one who is, uh, who's entered, actually two that's entered um, Carmelite orders. So in a, in a kind of a real way, they are living examples of today's gospel passage. There's nothing concealed that will not be revealed, no secret that will be, uh, not be known. And sometimes when I read that, I get this horrible thought of, I don't want people knowing my sin. Those are the things that are, we keep hidden, right? And that's why it's important for us to go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. There it's revealed, but it's revealed in a way that is forgiven and, thank, thank God, forgotten if we seek repentance. There's nothing that we do that's good, and we ought to do good just because it is right, that will not be left unrewarded, and nothing we do for ill that will not be punished. And that should bring some comfort to us, because sometimes we live in this world that, that we, we see bad people doing horrible things, and they're not even hiding it anymore sometimes. And yet, we know not even the unrevealed things will be punished. Or for us who are seeking God's will and, and seeking it in such a way in humility and humbleness and simplicity of life and, and, and just doing it as nonchalant as we can, that we will be rewarded. And we should not do it for the reward, of course, but simply because it is right. St. Paul today in, in this portion from the letter to the Romans saying Abraham was found uh, and justified, uh, um, justified because it was credited to him as righteousness, his faith. His, the faith that he just simply was a man living in the world, seeking God, following God. Teresa of Avila, towards the end of her life, of course, uh, seeking conversion to conversion to conversion. She reminds us, and there was a nice article in the National Catholic Register uh, the other day on, online, I think it's be in print, but she reminds us that conversion is, is continual, that we never quite arrive. There's always something better that God wants from us. But when we're seeking God, it will be revealed as being from God, or if it's of the evil one, that can't be hidden either. Eventually it comes out. As we come this day, we ask St. Teresa to intercede for us, St. Teresa to help us, and to, to know And one of my favorite works of hers is at the interior castle, and she reminds us, there we are to have a place, a room in our castle, where the Holy Spirit dwells, where the Holy Spirit can stay hidden, perhaps, in our lives and that we can live with that Holy Spirit always.